0: Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Lucas Walker from Gorgeous with Shopify announcing shop app. Welcome, everyone. We're doing a special festive holiday episode of the e commerce swipe file. Well, we're recording it around the holidays, but you can listen to it any time of the year. So if I am smart, I will edit that out, but I'm not <laughs> smart, however, Patrick know, our guest, is. If you've been a loyal e-commerce while listener, you heard Patrick and his wife on the first ever episode where they shared one of their biggest takeaways from Clavio Boston, which was being able to use polls in your emails. And for example, one poll that they could have run as they were on Shark Tank was, which shark do you think we made a deal with? So without any further ado, please welcome to the podcast, Patrick Cadeau. Thanks, man. Super happy to be here. I know that we've been talking a little bit back and forth, and you've been great on Twitter just really sharing the experience of Shark Tank, but also moving into Shopify fulfillment and what that process has looked like. And it sounds like there's probably some overlap with the uh, increase of orders shipping out uh post shark tank so let's let's go chronologically i know that you shared a lot of the experience of of going on to shark tank and that this episode wasn't uh wasn't your your first time trying to get in so yep. where did that process really take place um and within the lifespan of, of supply as well so when from when the company was first started to uh, when you first started applying and trying to get on the the Shark Tank, why don't you you walk us through what that what that really felt like to take that time to to start the business, and then when you started thinking about Shark Tank, and then what happened to to finally get in the tank?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, so uh, we've been a company for uh, since 2015. So. Uh, a little over 4 years now and um the funny story about shark tank is my i applied 3 years in a row um i it's kind of always been a a dream of mine to be on the show i think every entrepreneur you know i don't know about every entrepreneur but a lot of entrepreneurs you know
0: dream of going on the show oh, it's, um, it's, there it's, there are two there are two kinds of entrepreneurs patrick <laughs> those who want to be on shark tank and those who lie about them, <laughs> not wanting to be on shark tank I mean, it's really an
1: experience, Um, but we we applied three years ago. We applied three years in a row, Um, and it's funny that my first application, what they do is, you know, the the short story is they go around uh, the country for, I don't know, it's maybe three or four months starting in January and they have in-person auditions, Mm -hmm. uh, where you, you have basically a minute to pitch, uh, the, you know, a producer and then like a minute to answer Q and A's and that's your audition and you go home. And like, I think I waited, you know, maybe six, seven hours in line for that. Um, Wow. and, and that audition I applied to like, as a last minute, it's, it's kind of funny, I remember I, I gave my two weeks notice at my old job, my corporate job that I'd been at for eight and a half years, and I gave that notice, and I told people what I was doing. I was going to to run my Razor business, which I had been uh, kind of growing on the side. And, of course, everybody was like – the default question was like, oh, so are you going to go on Shark Tank? Yeah. I was like, you know – I've always wanted to. Now would be the time to look into it. And I literally I remember Googling at work like how to get on Shark Tank. And it was like there's an audition in two days in Dallas. And oh, I live wow. in Fort Worth, an hour away. So I <laughs> I scheduled the audition during my last two weeks at work. I think I took a day of vacation. So I applied in person, it was it was on like a Thursday. And um, long story short, I won't drag it out, but got really far in the process. It's a long kind of um arduous process multi-steps i can't i'm sworn to secrecy of like 20 pages of contracts and um uh, that I can't really talk about the process, but it's lots of steps and lots of paperwork, lots of different rounds of auditions with different people. And, and I got all the way through that year to basically, I was just waiting on the phone call with my plane ticket to go uh, pitch the sharks. And like, I was convinced I was going to go on the show. Yeah, You're trying uh, not to get your
0: hopes up, but then you're yeah. also being, I don't want to get my hopes up, but at this yeah. point, you're just looking for reasons not to get me on the show. They wouldn't waste their time on me. Exactly. For if they love me. And that's, as that was your first time applying. So it sounds like you made it pretty far or your your first go about it. Made
1: it real far that year. Got the, got the can though, before I flew out. Uh, The next year I applied again, I got the can immediately. I didn't get like two emails deep and they're already like, sorry. And then the third year, you know, I, I I remember thinking, you know, I'm just going to give it one more shot. Uh, I don't think anything will come of it, but I sent the email and you know, the rest is history.
0: I finally got on the show the third time. That's awesome. And it's nice, too, that you had that experience of knowing what that process looked like Mm -hmm. to be ready for it and just the mental endurance of the waiting and the travel of something. You do something and then you don't hear back for what feels like an eternity, even if it's just a week.
1: Yeah. And and my takeaway is, you know, more importantly than just like my story, like like persistence, man, like I, I almost didn't apply because I was you know, I was kind of bummed and, you know, feeling sorry for myself that the previous two years didn't go well. And man, if I had not persisted, you know, obviously wouldn't have gotten on the show. And, um, the other thing is like, you know, it's, it's providence that I didn't get on the show the previous two years, because there's no way in no way we would have been able to keep up with the demand those previous two years. So it was a good thing we didn't get on. So sometimes timing is
0: right. You know, um, those Mm -hmm. are sometimes a good thing. Yeah, and it doesn't always feel like it, but it's. Yeah. I like to think I've been fairly successful, and I look back of how I got here, and if it had been yeses all the way, I I would have been been fine. Mm-hmm. But I think it would have been safe and boring and just yeah. very predictable, very much yep. here here's some white bread with a glass of water for dipping kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's that's really awesome about that experience. And I know that uh, you shared a little bit. About how you prepped um, both you and Jennifer, and how it actually brought you really close together. what did what did you do to prepare for for the big day in the tank as well as the 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 process the second time around, but really specifically, what did you do to prepare for the day in the tank?
1: yeah uh that's a really good question and and I love sharing the answer because you know a lot of people the 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 airing went super well I don't know, anybody who's seen the episode um you know it, it made us look really good i'll I'll tell you though we did not feel that good in the tank we were nervous wrecks you know we're, our our hearts were beating out of our chest uh you mm-hmm. know one of the best parts of the pitches like I forgot my lines like two
0: lines in yeah you know and so i <laughs> I'm watching it. Uh, And it's always surreal seeing people that, you know, on TV, Mm -hmm. but I know that you're a pretty fun guy. You you enjoy a a good practical joke, but you, and I could see that you weren't quite yourself, but it was really, really, really nice to see the sharks being on your team. They wanted you to succeed. And I mean, at the end of the day, they know that good stores and deals getting done makes a good television. They first and foremost want to make a good TV show and as a as a byproduct of that, it's also while elevating entrepreneurs. It's not let's make a good TV show and try to embarrass the entrepreneurs as much as possible. Like some of the, the talent shows, like who is that guy, Will Hung, where you're just – or pants on the ground where it's just there to mock and make fun yeah. of people. Yeah. Even if it's an absolute train wreck, generally speaking, they want you to succeed while, while still making great TV.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the whole team from from beginning to end, it's it's a really class act. Everybody from the very first people you encounter at the first audition all the way through the end, um, really class act. They want you to succeed. It's not a it's not a, a gotcha kind of show. I mean, they'll they'll certainly pile on people that they think, you know, need to be piled on, but they want you to succeed. But real quick to your previous question of how we prepared, I I really like to share this answer because a lot of people think like it's a lot of genius and magic and you know like either you have it or you don't to 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 do that sort of thing. But you know the way we prepared was just constant constant iterate um, repetition. You know we we wrote out hundreds of questions we thought we would be asked and we wrote out answers to almost all of them and we just repeat we practiced and practiced and practiced those answers and there was nothing magic about it it was just a lot of work and uh, repetition and practice and uh, so we were completely ready when we got in the tank because we spent so much time just repeating everything and almost we 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 were we repeated almost too much to where I obviously forgot my lines, you know, and it wasn't because I hadn't practiced. It was because I had probably practiced so much that they got all jumbled in my head,
0: but yeah, uh, it was almost the, you, you're so focused that you've thought of every question that when they ask it in a slightly different way, you know, the answer, you're just stumbling trying to find that answer in your brain because you've cataloged so many different ones. Yep. Yep. No, that makes sense. And it's, or it's, they ask you some super basic question that just throws you off. It's, I've been going through, through security at the airport and they say, well, what's the purpose of your trip? And I'll say, oh, it's a big, big conference. And it it was was Dreamforce. And I just assumed that everyone knew what Dreamforce and Salesforce were. And so (laughs) being asked to explain what Salesforce is while going through customs, it's like, I can answer that. But with all that pressure, and uh-huh. because I wasn't expecting that question. It just totally threw me off. So I imagine it's kind of similar in the tank where it's such high pressure, high stakes. It's a question you know the answer to, but your mind is, is so focused. You've got a lot of adrenaline going that when you when you did stumble a little bit, it wasn't to, you, to your point that you didn't know the answer. It's just you weren't quite expecting it to come that way. Yeah, yeah. The, the other thing is like we – we had a story we
1: wanted to tell, and we knew the general order of that story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and this is um, this is something that is applicable across. It's not just Shark Tank. I mean, it's every every single, whether you're you know doing a pitch in front of VCs or you know talking to a customer, um, trying to sell something. Um, we we used the entire opportunity up there and every question we got we tried to fold into what we wanted to say and so it was very kind of we felt like politicians you know taking people's questions and not really answering them but saying mm-hmm. what we wanted to say from their questions so there was that was really the other thing other than just constant preparation and repetition was making sure we knew the what we wanted to get across and what was important about us Um, and bringing every question back to to our story and and not necessarily trying hard to answer questions, but trying hard to say what we wanted to say within the context of the question.
0: Yeah, and that's such a good point, too, where even if someone – uh, chats in on the website with a question about the product. And great example that you've shared is why you don't offer free shipping or when a larger razor company has free shipping on order, say $20, and tying that into we're not some big company that's raised a hundred million hundreds of millions of dollars of VC money and can afford to subsidize these costs. We're a small business with mm-hmm. seven employees or 12 employees. We need to make sure our our expenses are covered which is why uh, we do charge uh, a minimum for shipping mm-hmm. and then you could but something that i saw on that note as well which i really liked, was it's also a way to reduce the environmental impact of shipping where if people are ordering um what's your smallest unit of, of razor blades that you could get five at a time uh eight at a time for six dollars Eight at a time. I knew that there were the six in there. I thought it was <laughs> fine for six bucks. Um, but if people are only ordering the the eight blades for six bucks, it it you're creating just so much more packaging and carbon emissions to transport that than you need. So I do like raising the the free shipping threshold as for as as a way to reduce your environmental footprint as well. Just mm-hmm. a little bit of a tangent that I might edit out, but I, I do like that, that yep. approach as well. I just wanted to to share it. It's also way more expensive to ship things than I think the average person thinks. Way more expensive, especially when you include pick and pack fees and
1: well, postage. Even tape. And, yeah. Tape, packaging. Lost packages. Yeah, I mean, our, our box that we send our starter set in is like 2 bucks alone. You know, the box
0: yeah. and the insert. Especially if you have to pay a lot of the facilities an extra, say, $0.20 cents just to add that insert in. And it adds up fast. What about the actual day of the event? What did that process look like when they they brought you in? Was there, there a green room? What what did it look like? Because I know that you always hear about how uh, it's hours, it gets condensed down into about eight minutes. But what happened the day of, so leading up to the, the moment in the tank and then after you got the deal, what happened right after as well? So basically everything that we didn't see on TV. Sure. Yeah. So I have to be careful
1: because again, there are things I I can't talk about, but, yeah. um, in general, um, you know, uh, we were in the tank for who, um, Jennifer and I argue over, <laughs> we don't argue, but we, we have different recollections. Cause I mean, it's, it's like a blur. You, you don't recall. It, it's like you black out and then you come out on the other side. It's such a blur, but, uh, we think we're in there somewhere from 30 to 40 minutes, um, which I think is about average. You know, they say like, an hour is kind of average and some go up to three hours, but you know, it's, it's usually less. Um, so we were in there about an hour and they edit that down to about 10 to 15 minutes. So they cut out obviously a lot of stuff. Um, for us, they cut they cut it very well. We, they made us look great. Um, there was this part that we were disappointed in where, um, you know, everybody always talks about what their product costs and the way they cut it, um, was not accurate. So we, they basically made it sound like um our, our product was a whole heck of a lot cheaper than it is, um, just based on the way they cut it. So that was a little disappointing because now we got a cut a bunch of customers that think we sell a hundred and twenty five dollar product that only cost me ten dollars to make. And yep. and that would be that would be great if that were the case,
0: but it's most certainly not. Um so well, but you know what, traditional retail between slotting fees and everything else, I think a lot of customers would be more disappointed to realize that they've been buying $120 products that cost $10 to make a lot longer than what actually goes into, yeah. into the R&D and quality manufacturing. Yeah, that's true.
1: Um, so they, obviously they cut a lot out, but um, one of the things that people are surprised to learn is that um, as far as reality TV shows go, I mean, this this show is as real as it gets. Those doors open. And it's your show. There's no do overs. There's no try that line again. There's no start. You know, start again. Um, so like, if you watch my pitch, like we talked about, like I screw up the pitch and um, I had to start. I I forgot my line and I tried to start over and I forgot it again and then I tried to start over and I finally got it the third time. Mm-hmm. And they showed all of that. You know, at really, yeah. there's no. Oh yeah, they showed all of it. There's there's no starting over. Um. So uh so that's that's I think a really interesting part. Those doors open, and it's you know it's your it's your turn to make it or break it and um what what happens happens and and uh airs um a couple other things people are surprised to learn uh you know even if you film, you're not so so the we talked about this a little bit earlier, but the the way shark Tank works is it ain't over till a fat lady sings at every step of the way so. You're never really on to the next step until you complete the first previous step. Mm-hmm. So, for example, they may fly you out there, and even if they fly you out there, you may not pitch. You may pitch, and even if you pitch, you may not air. Oh, so wow. It's, you it's could all... be
0: hanging out in, I assume, the green room or the cattle yep. call area, bit, flown out on their dime, put up in a hotel, mm-hmm. um, and you don't get to go on until you go on. Yep, that's correct. Wow. Yep, and you just kind of like the whole time you're hoping,
1: you know, you you you're, you're excited because you're there and you know you've got a slot to pitch, but you know, on the other side of your brain you're hoping, man, I really hope I do get to pitch, and then and then yeah, so, and, so, that, and so then, then you find,
0: Go ahead. Then you find out that someone uh, you saw in the the cattle call just kinda, kind of was already rejected and snuck their way in and they stole your spot and they ended up getting the biggest deal in shark tank history and they're the next uh, squatty potty or the the magic sponge that, or the sponge buddy that's up to like a hundred million dollars of retail sales. Yeah. That's, um, and then it's funny. So that actually came from, from Matt Franco who won AGT very, it's different, but a similar experience. So he actually snuck his way back in and then he ended up winning the whole thing. No kidding. Yeah. So, (laughs) So you know that there's some hacky sack or someone there that the producers bumped in and be like, oh, Matt Franco lied. That was my spot. I could have won AGT. <laughs> That's funny. Mm. Sorry for uh, a little tune. So uh, as you were saying that it, you go into the, the call, you're not guaranteed a spot, but you're, you're feeling really positive, really optimistic. You're in a good mood, but it's also stressful at the same time.
1: Super stressful. I mean, um, I I've never felt the kind of pressure that I felt, and and a lot, you know a lot of it was placed on myself, but I'm sure everybody else feels it. Um, but I mean, just tons of pressure. Because um, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, our our number one goal. We we had kind of a list of priorities um, that we wanted from our airing, and, and number one, no lie, was do not look stupid on TV. Like that's that's number one. I don't care if we get a deal. I don't care if you know what happens. But as long as we don't walk away looking like
0: morons, like we've won.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and that's a
0: very good point. And it's almost that fear of losing it because going into the tank, you have your dignity, you have your sanity, Mm -hmm. you you haven't been on the blooper reel where you trip on the carpet, fall flat on your face, and then try (laughs) to pitch with a bloody nose as you're dripping all over your shirt, just something stupid out of your control. So that's totally a great goal of just don't look like an idiot on TV. Yep. That's goal number one, and then goal number two was, you know, get a deal. So uh,
1: we did both, uh, e- even though I forgot my lines. Uh, we did both. So. but it's it's a lot of pressure.
0: It's a lot of stress. That's for sure. Yeah, I know absolutely, and that's I uh, I like that you did the uh, the deal with the uh, our hometown guy yeah. Robert. He's from uh, from Toronto as well. So it's funny that both Robert and Kevin came from the Canadian version of Shark Tank yeah. called Dragon then which was first, and then Shark Tank just absolutely blew up after with. Uh, not even the same playbook, but uh, some of the same cast as well. Yeah. So I know that obviously there was a ton of paperwork. You had to be super, super, super secretive. What happened between filming it and and airing it? And how long was that process?
1: Uh, so that that is almost as bad as waiting to get on Shark Tank, is waiting to hear if you've aired. Um, so we filmed in June, uh, like, June, I don't know, June 15th or 18th mm-hmm. or something like that. And then, like I said, you don't know you're going to air until basically you air. You get you get a three weeks heads up notice Mm -hmm. Um, for us. It was for some people that ends up being less for us. It was three weeks. Um, So so the challenge is as a business operator, um, you know, how do you prepare for something like that? I got I got four at minimum four weeks, mostly eight week lead times on most of my products. You know, I have no way to, to gauge any kind of estimate on what kind of sales traffic we're going to see for our products. So like, how do you even begin to, to gauge preparation for, for an air date? And um, so we just went, we just went big and we, we, we plan for the best and hope that if we didn't, you know, if we didn't hit uh, the sales numbers we thought we would, then we'd make it up with Black Friday and Christmas.
0: Yeah, and the so, nice thing too is that you have a product that is shelf stable. Yeah. If they don't move right away, you can always liquidate them and at least get your money back. Yeah, it's, yeah. You don't want to do that, but to your point, you can get them out Black Friday, the holiday season, yeah. Christmas, New New Year, New New Decade, Movember as well. If people are shaving their face, you've got a few opportunities to promote, but you still want that that national stage that blows you out of the water and out of inventory. Yep so so we spent uh see july
1: august september october i mean we spent three to four months preparing for for the for airing and and for us the preparation meant like we did it was kind of stupid all the things we tried to cram in we launched a brand new website we worked with an amazing team called fuel made whole new website from ground up we launched a brand new manufacturing production line we we um re re um we we moved over to Shopify Fulfillment Network. So we, we moved everything out of our warehouse into a brand new fulfillment warehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and we introduced new products. We, we re-wickered our pricing and, and how our products are presented. We do, redid our packaging. We basically kind
0: of are, almost became a new company in, in three to four months to prepare. Yeah, for, absolutely. Supply, supply 2.0 or 3.0 at, yeah. at that point as is, is you leveled up as a business.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we kind of used it as like, okay, this is our moment to, you know, we're we're cash strapped, we're tiny, we're bootstrapped. Um, You know, there's five of us. So, you know, we we don't have a ton of capital to go kind of, you know, do all these things that we typically want to do. But we took this opportunity at a time to say, well, if we're ever going to make this bet, like now's the time to do it. So we we went and kind of did all the things that we wish we, uh, you know, had the money to do and just kind of hope that we could kind of make it back. So we basically kind of redesigned
0: everything from the ground up. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And that's uh, what we did with our company as well as we were starting to get more distributors. It's now the time to go custom packaging, adjust price points, do everything that you want to do and almost rip the bandaid of those changes. Yeah, exactly. A lot easier now compared to when five or six times the people know who you are or have purchased your products. Exactly. So that's awesome. And then the last thing on on Shark Tank, which I know that you shared some screenshots, and I think what everyone's dying to know, what happened after the tank in terms of, of sales volume, you were mentioning that you're still shipping out orders and still really seeing the the impact of that. So, so what happened afterwards after after it aired?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, it was kind of outrageous. Um, I mean, the shark tank effect is shark, a tank shark tank effect is very real. Um, we aired on a Sunday night at, I don't know, seven or eight central. Um, and uh, I think that day, you know, it was, it was clearly a record day of sales for us. I think we did like $75,000 in sales that day, just on then, the Sunday, just on that Sunday night. So like within wow. three, within three to four hours, you know, um, and and for context, you know, a, a a good day before that for us was, you know, maybe ten grand or something like that.
0: Yeah, if you can have a five-year a, you're sleeping pretty well that night. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: You know, we, we did a million dollars, um, last year in sales, 2018 in sales. So, you know, just kind of context for our size. Um, and then what was, what was really interesting was the next day, Monday was an even bigger day. We did almost a hundred K in sales, um, the Monday after,
0: wow. uh, Shark Tank. Yeah. So that was really cool for us. Um, so within 24 hours, you had done 20% of your revenue the previous year. That's correct. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Uh, and within the end of the month,
1: you know, we had done over, over, we had done, we did all of November the sales that we had done all of the previous year.
0: That's that's um, amazing.
1: Yeah. So um, just super grateful that a lot of things worked. You know, the website held up. Um, you know, people people loved the product. That the pitch was edited super well, made us
0: look really good. It was basically a commercial for us. Just the oh, way they. It absolutely is. It's Shark Tank is basically watching infomercials as as a consumer. And it's, I'm sure you're guilty of this as well, but, and it's very hard working in the e-commerce industry, looking at all these amazing products and learning their stories and being like, wow, I did not know that I needed this until just now. I have no idea how I (laughs) I live without this. I can't believe I was supporting big razor blades and not a nice small mom and pop business where they actually care about the products and the craftsmanship of what i'm applying to my face and scalp day in and day out how could i live without this how could yeah how could you yeah how could you live with your stuff no so that's amazing and are you still seeing some of that effect have you seen can you tell when the an episode re-airs do you still get that spike in sales
1: yeah we won't re-air for at least another year or so you know they re-air on a different channel but um yeah it it definitely uh you know it obviously died down we're not doing 100k a day now and even if we could I we it would kill us but uh you know it kind of kind of kind of slowly ramped down but even st- it's so kind of back up my challenge now is I have no clue like what normal is for us because, you know, we came off a shark tank and then we went into black Friday, cyber Monday, and now we're still kind of on the Christmas high and that'll kind of die down over the next couple of weeks. So, so my big challenge as an operator is like, okay, what's normal for us? Like what's steady state? Um, you know, um, and, and then the other, the other thing is like, I'm trying to ride that wave as long as I can. So, you know, we're running ads with shark tank messaging in it. Um, and, you know, we've got all this new brand awareness that we want to capitalize on. And so what's the best way to do it? Um, but then also at the same time, not become that brand that like Shark Tank was your best moment. And now there's nothing, you know, there's like the Bombuses of the world that went on Shark Tank and then and then became something greater than than that. And then there's all these other little brands that like that was kind of the best part of their company. And and now they're yep. nothing. So kind of how does that as seen
0: on Shark Tank badge? Since yeah, forever. They, since they've aired. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we'll have that badge for a little while because it's a good badge, but you know we want to grow past that badge um, and and forget about that. And so,
0: anyways. Having said that, I bet for the rest of your life people will be saying, "Oh man, I know you guys from Shark Tank. That's how I learned about your product." Yeah, and I'm okay with that. It's fun. It's a fun yeah. community to be part of. It is, and it's it's kind of an exclusive fraternity too. And we're we're I, we got really lucky launching this podcast. That it's almost like a who's who of who's been on Shark Tank, and yeah. I didn't. And I I had no idea when we first started talking to the first episode, I just thought it's it's a cool way to share really tactical advice from other entrepreneurs. And I could not have gotten any luckier that the first couple episodes were you. uh, And I mean, we we could uh, publish them whenever we wanted. So naturally, we launched around the same time that you went on Shark Tank. Sure. But then... Uh, when we launched the beer brand episode talking about moving off of Amazon, which is, I know, something you've also been pretty outspoken about. Yeah. It was the day that Nike decided to move off of Amazon. Oh, cool. And just from, from an absolute timing perspective, both Eric and I were laughing that we could not have gotten any luckier because we started seeing uh, conversations on sort of e commerce or Shopify Twitter and some of the Facebook groups around that saying, yeah, I heard other brands like beard brand moving off of Amazon too. And they'd heard about that from the podcast. So we both just totally piggyback that to, to ride our way the wave up into hanging out with Nike. I love it. So I think that really wraps up everything about, uh, about Shark Tank. And the other thing that I, that we wanted to talk about and that you had mentioned was moving to Shopify fulfillment because that is so, so new. So what was that experience like? How did you get chosen for that? Did, did you apply? Did they reach out to you? What did that look like to get chosen to be able to work with Shopify fulfillment? You know, honestly, I can't remember if I think they reached out
1: to me, but I can't remember because I was, I was interested from the day I heard about the announcement. So um, if they reached out to me it was I was a captive audience ready to, to take their call because um, it's a small program right now. They have three warehouses so um, just some context they, they they don't own any warehouses. What Shopify does is they kind of you know whatever white label private white label, Existing warehouses. So they have one down in Austin. They have one, I think, in Nevada. Don't quote me on that. And then there's one in maybe New Jersey or Pennsylvania. So East Coast, West Coast, and Central. So we're in the Central one um, in Austin. And uh, so they reached out to me. And it's a small program. I don't know how many they have down there in Austin, how many brands, but I'm going to guess it's less than 10. Um, so you know, it's it's really a beta. I don't, I don't want to speak for them, uh, in terms of like what they're calling it or what, you know, but it, it feels very much like a beta program mm-hmm. they're, they're still very much feel learning, uh, working through kinks. Um, so basically what they do is they, you know, the value add from Shopify is that, you know, the, the, the software lives in your Shopify store. So I go to my apps and there's a Shopify fulfillment network app. And so that's how I manage my transfers of inventory. It's how I, you know, view my inventory levels. It's how I, uh, you know, there are other little settings I can set, but, um, it's not, uh, I know I'll be honest, it's not a very robust software right now. And there are a lot of features that are lacking. Um, but I knew that going in, you know, it's not like they're trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes. Like they're very much, you know, transparent about it's kind of a beta program. Um, so I knew that going in and I was okay with that because I really, I'm, I'm super um, long on Shopify and like, I'm on, I'm, I'm on the Shopify team. And, um, you know, as, as long as I can be, cause they're, they're helping me accomplish yeah. my dreams. And so like, I wanted to be in on this, um, so that I can kind of, you know, re- reap the long-term rewards when, when that time comes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that makes a, a ton of sense. I think most of our listeners, I mean, myself included, yourself included, our lives have been changed by Shopify. Yeah. So I'm with you 100% of being on the team and really trusting them to, to be able to nail it. Yep. Yeah. And I think that that makes a ton of sense. My last sort of question on the the Shopify fulfillment has been: What does that process look like versus any other fulfillment that, that you've done either in house or while looking at other other vendors or or partners that do have uh, something similar set up that maybe you look at or test it out yourself. Yeah. So we've, we've done
1: kind of the whole range of things. We, we have actually been with a fulfillment uh, center before. Um, it did not go well just, uh, for reasons I won't go into, but, um, we've been with full, we've done everything from fulfilling out of our, you know, our, uh, laundry room to, you know, fulfillment, real professional fulfillment centers. And as far as, uh, typical fulfillment goes like it's a very standard kind of setup you know you ship them your inventory they receive it they charge you a warehousing fee depending on the you know cubic you know, feet of your uh, inventory that you store and then they charge you a pick and pack fee plus a you know a um shipping you know uh, fee based on however you send it to the customer so it's very very standard um pricing uh it's it's pretty good pricing um I compared it to a lot of other options out there, and it was as good as if not better than most of the other options um so um but but um you know really compared to how we were doing it previously, you know we did the whole ship station printing out our own labels shipping from our our warehouse, and you know we mm-hmm. could ship you know maybe a hundred maybe two hundred orders a day um and that was kind of all we could do and um, you know, they're shipping for me. You know, on on peak days, they were shipping eight hundred to a thousand orders a day for me. Wow. Um, over the past month, so uh, obviously um, a huge difference in terms of capacity to
0: to ship. Yeah, absolutely, and that's really what you need. And one of the biggest challenges for growing entrepreneurs is knowing when to partner with a fulfillment partner not just for right now because it might be not be the cheapest option but somebody who can scale up to a thousand orders a day or ten thousand orders a day or hopefully a hundred thousand orders a day if you ever get to that volume and it's because you can't really do that in-house you need to make sure that your fulfillment partner can do it but even as you alluded to earlier is that sustainable is that what the rate will be or is that just because you happen to be on a nationally televised tv show going into the busiest time of the year so you definitely don't want to do that in house because by the time that everyone gets trained up you won't have that need for them anymore which is a position that nobody ever really wants to uh to be in yep yeah exactly and as we wrap it up here, Patrick, thank you so much for for coming on. Where can people find you if they have any questions? Where can they they follow you? What what do you have to to plug? I don't know if you've ever watched uh, Hot Ones, but when he tells the the <laughs> guests to go look into the three cameras and, and plug whatever you have, now is uh, now is your opportunity to to do that. So where can people find you, and what can we do to uh, to, to support Supply? That's awesome.
1: Well, you can visit our website at supply.co. Um, get your shaving products there. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Sounds Like Canoe because um, that's what my last name sounds like. Rhymes with canoe. Um, so Sounds Like Canoe. You can find me on Twitter, um, and then my email address is on my bio. If anybody wants to reach out to me, um, I've been a little buried lately, so I've had trouble keeping up with stuff. But um, I'm always happy to try to help people wherever I can. Answer any questions. Um, I want to kind of pay it forward um, and help people, uh, the way that I've had a lot of successful entrepreneurs help me in the past. So please uh, feel free to reach out. And if you need some shaving stuff, give us a shout.
0: I appreciate that. Uh, so thank you so much for, for joining us. And if you're, you're listening on Apple podcasts, make sure to leave a review.